my team here in Silicon Valley, one of the most advanced and, and innovative robotics programs in the world. And we're focused on surgical robotics. I often see posts from clinicians and their teams on LinkedIn, proudly holding up signs saying things like 400 monarch procedures. That uh, really brings joy and motivation to keep innovating for these clinical teams and patients. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Robot Industry Podcast. My guest today is Martin Bueller from Johnson & Johnson. Hey, Martin, welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here. Hi, Jim, and thank you for having me on your Robot Industry Podcast. I'm <laughs> super excited and honored to be here with you. Martin, thanks for joining us. Could you uh, just give a little introduction about yourself for the audience? Well, you know, looking back, um, I feel like I had an incredible journey in robotics over a span of 30 years. I actually started out in, in academia at McGill University. Uh, there I was doing research on manipulation and legged robots. I led an active research group. I had tenure in the end, and I taught and mentored many students. And I had an absolute blast working with a lot of smart young people, groundbreaking research problems. And then I sort of got the 12-year <laughs> the itch. I really wanted to work on more practical problems that, that would have a more immediate impact uh, to humankind. So in 2003, uh, I moved to industry. I was extremely fortunate uh, to work uh, at some world-class companies like Boston Dynamics, iRobot, and uh, Walt Disney Imagineering, and, and also a number of very innovative high-tech startups in, in robotics. My ongoing quest for, for maximizing impact uh, then led me to join Johnson & Johnson Metech early last year. Johnson & Johnson is the largest and, and most diversified uh, healthcare products company. You know, most folks used to know J&J as the baby products company, um, but, but today we are Medtech and a pharmaceutical company and a top-rated employer for high-tech talent. My team here in Silicon Valley, one of the most advanced and, and innovative uh, robotics programs in the world. And we're focused on surgical robotics. The company was actually created around surgical products over 130 years ago. So helping this iconic and historic brand to create the next generation of surgery, I find that super inspiring. Thanks, Martin. For, thanks for that. And you're, you're happy, of course, to be back into the healthcare industry with robotics. And why is that? And why do you find it compelling? Yeah, right. Thank you, Jim. Um, you know, for me, uh, that goes to the heart of my purpose. You know, what do I do and, and why? You know, for me, it's all about working with teams to bring robotics and healthcare together to do the most important and most impactful work I can imagine to improve and save people's lives. And we do that by making surgery smarter, less invasive, and, and also more personalized. I'm, I'm very passionate about being part of a mission-driven company that is fueled um, by our bold ambition to really change the future of health for humanity. And to achieve that, we have what we call our credo. It is a one-pager uh, written by Robert Wood Johnson 80 years ago. We all live it every day, and it articulates our purpose in a really beautiful and timeless fashion. It's our commitment to our patients, to our employees, our communities, and to deliver a fair return for our shareholders. It's great to talk about mission and purpose on this podcast. It's so exciting. And you've called this sector a rich landscape. And can you talk to our audience a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so in short, I think 
healthcare, I feel strongly about it, is very rich both in need and it's also rich in solutions. You know, if you think about it, health, health is always the most important thing. And we have so many opportunities and urgent unmet clinical needs to dramatically improve healthcare on all levels. We need to catch diseases much earlier and best really even to prevent them altogether. We need surgeries to be much less invasive. We need to be them more personalized and more effective. And then after surgeries, you know, we want patients to be able to return to their lives much quicker. Why not within the same day? And finally, you know, we need to talk about variability of outcomes. We need to reduce the variability of outcomes. Uh, too many surgeries still have post-surgical complications because of that uh, variability. And at the same time, we also need to make healthcare much more affordable and accessible globally. The second part of the rich landscape is the incredible core technologies we have available today and in the future to dramatically improve health. And this is what really gets me excited and out of bed every morning and, and out to work with my teams to build the, uh, the solutions to address the needs. Steady advances in robotics, instruments, sensing, actuation, computing, and visualization. And then we combine that with advances in digital and all forms of artificial intelligence, from machine learning to tra traditional AI to generative AI. So I believe that surgical robotics has already started to accomplish to address some of these critical needs, and yet we still have a long way to go. Thank you for that, Martin. Um how important is leadership to your role in developing these complex systems? Wow, leadership, yeah, it's critical, absolutely critical. You know, we are developing very complex interdependent systems. And uh, so to do this, I lead large cross-functional teams of mechanical and electrical engineers, software developers, PhDs in robotics and controls, and, and, and really many other disciplines as well. To me, an, an important part of leadership is to make sure what I call the three big rocks are in place. First and foremost, it's the people. It's always people. I make sure we invest our best efforts and attract and retain the best and brightest people. And the second big rock is to create the structure for success. Direction, alignment, and commitment. We need very clear direction. You know, that is having compelling goals. And our goals uh, typically address the most urgent unmet uh, clinical needs. We need effective alignment and that's around how we will achieve those objectives. What is the right organizational setup and, and governance? We need to ensure that everyone is fully, everybody's all in to achieve the goals and, and also committed to the path to get to those goals. And finally, uh, the third big rock of leadership for me is being the cheerleader, uh, to empower, to, to inspire and, and elevate my leaders and teams to remove friction and obstacles and then really step back and let our brilliant minds do what they do best and always generously celebrate their successes. Martin, you said part of your job is, is leading your teams and your suppliers and commercial groups at J&J, &J, physicians, and, and planning for those patient outcomes. How do you balance all of these often uh, competing priorities? Well, yeah, great question. It's important to emphasize that uh, we're not just building prototypes. We are creating robotic solutions that uh, can be delivered to millions of, of patients globally. That requires that we look uh, really end-to-end -end from research and development to manufacturing, clinical testing, regulatory submissions, and commercialization efforts. And that requires what I call the daily dance. <laughs> That's to adjust resources in close collaboration with my peers across the entire organization. 
you know, I like to say, you plan the work and then you work the plan. So the process is more like a continuously tuned and finely coordinated machine versus a compete, uh, like just a competition of priorities. You specified uh, in a recent, like you and I follow each other on LinkedIn, and you specified in a recent LinkedIn post that Monarch is a urology platform. Can it be used for other areas of the body? And maybe you have to explain what Monarch is. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I, I, I first talk a little bit about uh, Monarch for urology. It's a great question. So let me talk about urology. And for us, for us, that means kidney stone treatment. So Monarch is what we call a flexible robotic solution. That means it has a flexible endoluminal scope or an endoscope that enters the body via natural orifices. So then we use robotic arms to control these flexible endoscopes to improve their reach, their stability, and control and for the entire endoluminal procedure. So the surgeon then commands the untiring, steady, and precise uh, robot arms to hold and drive these endoscopes with a video game-like controller. This greatly improves the ergonomics for the physician and the ease of use uh, compared to manually operated endoscopes. So back to urology, I'm very excited by the future potential of Monarch for kidney stone treatment. And by the way, so are the physicians and patients. Our system for kidney stone treatment was approved by the FDA last year and is currently in clinical trials. So there's really a great need. About 1 in 11 people in the U.S. will get kidney stones. And the unmet clinical need here is that uh, the traditional treatment approaches for kidney stones often require repeated treatments, and it's up to 50, 50%. And that is because uh, little pieces of kidney stones are inadvertently left behind. They grow into the next kidney stones, and that makes for a very painful and a difficult patient pathway. For example, I heard uh, of a patient who has been living with kidney stone disease for 16 years and had no fewer than nine repeat removal procedures. The potential impact to become completely stone-free after these procedures with our robotic-assisted procedure is really huge. Martin, what about diseases like uh, lung cancer? Can you talk about how you're like realizing the future of medicine by being able to inject reactive agents or oncolic virus into the tumor? Yeah, that's another great question. So let me talk about uh, lung cancer. So in fact, Monarch um, is a platform for innovation and it's the first and only multi-specialty uh, flexible robotic solution that can be used for both bronchoscopy and urology. And its first use uh, is actually for bronchoscopy, for early diagnosis of lung cancer. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer deaths globally with about uh, 150,000 annual deaths in the U.S. Earlier diagnosis can improve survival times significantly. But uh, earlier diagnosis often means that uh, physicians have to reach smaller and smaller suspicious nodules. And these are often located at the hard-to-reach outer periphery of the lung. This is where our robotic-assisted bronchoscopy system really helps. So Monarch for Bronchoscopy is, is approved and is making an impact today in more than 25,000 procedures so far. I often see posts from clinicians and their teams on LinkedIn proudly holding up signs saying things like 400 Monarch procedures. That uh, really brings joy and motivation to me and to keep uh, innovating for these clinical teams and, and their patients. 
In general, I believe that uh, endoluminal robotics will play a major role in the future of care, particularly cancer care. It's funny how LinkedIn has progressed, isn't it? Uh, Since the robot is a diagnostic tool paired with a treatment platform, it reduces the number of times that a patient has to have a procedure or surgery. And and that's correct, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about treatment. Um, You know, diagnosing and completely treating or even curing lung cancer in one procedure is still quite a bit of an aspirational future scenario. But uh, already the patient journey can be much improved. So first, early diagnosis uh, speeds up the journey and can dramatically improve survival rate, as I've shared. There's less that scary, let's wait and see approach and monitoring then if a suspicious lesion grows further. And uh, second, with a diagnosis platform like Monarch, in the future, we can do a variety of things once we have successfully reached an audio and obtained that positive cancer diagnosis. For example, we can mark the site with biochemical agents or physical markers uh, to facilitate subsequent treatment or, or surgical lung resections. In addition, in the future, we could start injecting drugs to improve the success rate of subsequent treatment or to start treatment in a shorter time frame. Uh, such local therapeutic solutions in conjunctions with uh, Monarch are actively being studied. And in general, you know, exploring the question of diagnosis and treatment in a more targeted way and with a shorter time frame presents an opportunity to, to really transform cancer intervention. So this is the part where science and technology come together to make medical intervention smarter, less invasive, and more personalized. Digital is a big part of your life, especially in medicine. And it's hard to have robots without digital. So how is digital changing the game? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jim. You know, every surgical robot is already, in some sense, enabled by digital, by all the algorithms built in, into the system that dictate uh, its behaviors and, and functions. And going forward, um, just about every device will become a digital citizen in the operating room ecosystem. For example, every piece of capital, every device or surgical instrument will have sensors to improve its performance, measure its usage, and track its location. All of these robots and devices are also connected and generating massive amounts of really valuable data, adding to the data that hospitals already generate. So we have to think about not just the one medical device or the one robot, but the way that we aggregate all that information and how we do that in a secure environment. Software can use all this data to provide information and insights back to the surgeons, to the clinical teams, the patients and the hospital systems. So my next thought is about connectivity. And we have lots of challenges when it comes to connectivity, especially to the cloud or big ecosystem connectivity, robots to instruments, robots to robot. How is this changing? Yeah, so Jim, the the short answer is (laughs) nobody has really figured it out yet. Everyone agrees that connectivity is the bedrock of progress and, and everybody's working to make it happen. In order to get the big outcomes from digital connected ecosystems, We have to bring the whole industry along. So the goal here is that um, not just uh, all the devices from one company need to connect, but rather all the devices from all the companies need to integrate cleanly, both with each other and then with the cloud. And um, to get to the desired connectivity end state, we need all the right parties working together from security, hospital chief information officers, regulatory agencies, all the way to the standards bodies and the government. 
and of course, all the device and equipment manufacturers like us. Johnson & Johnson's CEO has said that there'll be more changes in the next 10 years that have taken place in the last 100 years in medicines. And how will robotics play a role in this? Wow, yeah, just stop for a second and think about that. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, So this progress will happen across the whole range of medicine, and uh, it will be powered by uh, investment in in innovation. Talking about innovation, J&J is an innovation-based company, and with $14.6 billion investment in in R&D last year, uh, is one of the largest, if not the largest, investor in R&D and the life sciences. And robotics will pay a cent- play a central role. In pharma, robotics will accelerate automated AI-driven drug discovery. And in medtech, advanced robotics will enable the future of surgeries and deliver significantly improved outcomes. You know, a large portion of medicine will always require physical intervention, like surgeries or biopsies. So that's where robotics is critical to the future of medtech. And I believe breakthroughs will come by a confluence of three factors. First, all the pieces of robotics technologies will continue to get better with improved sensors, actuation, endoscopes, imaging, and advanced visualization. Second, everything, as we talked, will be connected always in a tight digital ecosystem. And third, that connectivity will allow the the full power of AI and machine learning to act on these vast amounts of data to provide insights pre-intra and post-operatively to further boost the power of robotics. So having worked in robotics for so long, I find this really exciting. Robots will have an impact for millions of patients around the world. Martin, you're a big fan of startups in the field, and I'm not surprised by that at all. What are your thoughts about robotics and competition in this sector? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we say and we, we live it, uh, great ideas can come from anywhere. And that is true in healthcare um, as well. We believe in, in the innovation happening within J&J, within our own four walls. And at the same time, we are very active to invest in and, and collaborate with startups and anyone with new ideas for patient impact. And when it comes to competition, my, what I call abundance <laughs> mentality applies here too. Uh, with so many unmet patient needs and so much to do. And, you know, the more competition, the better. It drives innovation, progress, affordability, global access. It drives everything. In our initial conversations, you mentioned that you have a saying, it's, and it's the patients are waiting. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's good. Uh, actually, earlier last year, uh, before I started, when I visited the J&J facility in Santa Clara for the first time, I saw that prominent, white, beautiful lettering on the wall of the sixth floor saying, the patients are waiting. You know, it's really true. Think about any healthcare experience that you or a loved one has had. Even if we solve for one or two major things with technology, that's a huge win. Patients are waiting for those wins. So patients are waiting really resonated with my personal sense of urgency and literally saving lives. Every minute matters in the work we're doing. That immediacy to have impact, that urgency to reduce suffering, is exactly the reason why I left academia and joined industry 20 years ago. On the other hand, the technology we are developing is really complex. So we always have to balance our sense of urgency with our first and foremost commitment to safety, quality, and uh, regulatory compliance. Martin, are cobots a good use for this platform for human-to-robot procedures? 
Yeah, great question, uh, Jim. Um, for that, let's look first at the classical industrial robots. You know, they're, we all know those. They're, they're large, they're fast, they're forceful, they're position control typically, they're maximized for repeatability, speed, and precision. And they're not designed to interact with people. For safety reasons, they are typically in cages or behind safe barriers. In contrast, uh, cobots, or short for collaborative robots, you know, they are designed to be more suitable for interaction with people. They tend to be smaller, slower, often are force-controlled, are able to sense contact with people or the environment, and often have compliant control. So in healthcare, and in particular in the operating room, we are definitely using the cobot type of uh, robot arm. The care team around the patient in, in the OR is often literally rubbing shoulders with a surgical robot arm. They manually move the arms for setup and repositioning. So I believe that we have maybe the most collaborative robot application there is. Um, but we have to keep in mind, it's not just the robot itself that can ensure human safety. We have to design the entire end-to-end -end application and the whole workflow with safety first and foremost in our minds. When can AI and machine learning help? Yeah, that's a topic that is today on everybody's minds. And uh, it really has the exciting potential to improve just about every aspect of our society, I believe. Even so today, AI is still in the early stages in healthcare. It will transform healthcare. In fact, it will be a key part of that great acceleration uh, of achieving more progress in the next decade versus the past century. There are some interesting early use cases in simplifying like time-consuming tasks uh, like reports and communications and in, in doing so freeing doctors and nurses to spend more time with patients. There's much more to come, but these tools are, are already in, in use in some areas like screening chest x-rays for suspicious nodules in, in the lung or improving the detection of polyps and colonoscopies. On Monarch, we are also using already AI and ML algorithms to create accurate and segmented three-dimensional models of the lung from two-dimensional x-rays taken preoperatively. Then these models and the AI tools help the physician to guide the flexible bronchoscope during lung biopsy procedures. And this allows them to locate and reach a potential tumor more predictably for more accurate diagnosis and treatment. I find it very exciting to be alive uh, in a time like today where we get to shape these advances for the benefit of human health. Martin, thanks for coming on to this interview. It's been a great conversation. How can people find out more about Ethicon, Monarch, and all the projects that are coming out of your work? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we talked about LinkedIn, so follow us on LinkedIn. Johnson & Johnson MedTech on LinkedIn is a great place to hear about the latest innovation. You'll also see the kind of robotics roles we're recruiting for, and you can connect with other technologists who are passionate about our purpose. Our sponsor for this episode is Earhart Automation Systems. Earhart builds and commissions turnkey solutions for their worldwide clients. With over 80 years of precision manufacturing, they understand the complex world of robotics, automated manufacturing, and project management, delivering world-class custom automation on time and on budget. Contact one of their sales engineers to see what Earhart can build for you. And you can reach them at info at airheartautomation.com. And Earhart is spelled E-H-R-H-A-R-D-T. And I'd like to acknowledge A3, the Association for Advancing Automation. They're the leading automation trade association for robotics, 
vision and imaging, motion control and motors, and the industrial artificial intelligence technologies. Visit automate.org to learn more. And if you'd like to get in touch with us at the Robot Industry Podcast, like Martin, you can find me, Jim Beretta, on LinkedIn. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening and be safe out there. Today's podcast was produced by Customer Attraction Industrial Marketing. I'd like to recognize my team, Chris Gray for the music, Jeffrey Bremner for audio production, my business partner and editor, Janet, and our sponsor, Earhart Automation Systems.